Please welcome Dan Ferris. Value investing in natural resources. Um, we could probably do a half an hour on whether or not that exists or whether or not it's possible. Um, <laughs> but I think we'll just get right to it here. What is value investing? Well, it really is. Um, you, you've heard Rick describe um, you know, the basics of value investing uh, in various talks uh, this morning and yesterday morning. All you're doing is figuring out what something is worth and paying less than that. It, it, it really, truly is that simple. Uh, you, you find a dollar's worth of earnings in a business and you try to pay 70 or 60 or 50 cents for it. So th those are the two steps. Estimate the value, pay less than that. So thank you. We're done. That's it. Um, <coughs> but uh, there are two ways to do this. Um, one of them is based on the assets. You could find a business, let's say, um, that's producing, let's just say, a little bit of cash flow, paying the bills, but has a big pile of assets, big pile of cash, big pile of land, big pile of something that you get a reasonable idea is worth a lot more than the stock price. Uh, and that would be a, a typical type of value investment and a typical way to value a company. But really, uh, cash flows are where equities get their price. That's what gives a business its value. Um, I said price. I meant value. That's what gives equity its value. Um, a lot of times when I see a pile of assets that is trading cheap, you find that there's a very good reason for it. The assets aren't worth as much. They're in the wrong place. There are environmental problems. Maybe it's land that's you know, poisoned or some horrible thing like that. And, um, and I, I much prefer to find a very good business that produces plenty of cash flows and, and get those cash flows at a cheap multiple. Um, and the concept that underpins all this is intrinsic value. How many people have never heard of intrinsic value before? Yeah, nobody. So, so we're, we're ahead of the game there. Now, most, almost all of the companies that are here, it's impossible to say, in my view, in my view, it's impossible to say you're investing in them you are only speculating in them because they don't have the cash flows to support uh, a, a standard equity valuation. So when I look at them, you know, you may say, well, the, the stock is $2 and it's got $1.50 in cash or even $2 or $2.50 in cash. And they are um, looking at some very valuable moose pasture with some sort of wonderful... Uh, mineral under it, that's not enough to get a true value investor excited, in my opinion, like a, you know, a diehard value investor like me. Rick takes a value-oriented approach towards speculation in such situations and brings an enormous amount of expertise to bear, which most people just don't possess, uh, I among them. So, uh, you know, Lots of value investors just can't do what Rick does in those cases, and, I, and I'm one of them. And I would, I would caution anyone, you know, against trying to compete with Rick Rule <laughs> in that way. So Benjamin Graham is sort of the father of value investing, and we pulled a quote out, out, out of the, uh, one of his books, uh, his most famous book, or second most famous book, Security Analysis, which is only about 900 pages and filled with numbers, it's a breezy, breezy read. 
and I highly recommend it. A lot of fun. Um, and an investment operation is one which there's a good list of stuff here. Uh, an investment is, has thorough analysis, promises safety of principle. Where do you find that? Look around. Where do you find safety of principle? You don't. It's speculative. And a satisfactory return. Well, if they work out, if these speculations work out, that's pretty satisfactory, isn't it? But, but that's rare. Operations not meeting these requirements are speculative. Now, um, just to be fair, Graham deals with speculation elsewhere and says you can do it quite intelligently also. So let's, let's add another criteria here. Let's say to have a true investment, you have to have a true margin of safety. Now, this is not absolute safety. This is not, we're not talking about, uh, you know, a stock ever being the equivalent of a dollar or a treasury bill or something. It's a margin of safety, a reasonable expectation of safety uh, based on figures, numbers, reading the financial statements is what figures mean, persuasive reasoning, and reference to a body of actual experience, <laughs> the investor's experience and hopefully the company's too. So I'm, we make this list then. If we're going to go into natural resources and try to do value investing, we get this list of stuff that is kind of underpinning what we're doing. Business-like approach, thorough analysis, safety of principle, satisfactory return, and a true margin of safety based on those three things we just named. So to do value investing, you must be able to estimate the value, and you should ask yourself, for every company presenting at this event, you know, do I have a good idea of what the equity is worth today or might be worth at some future date? And it's based on all that stuff, that whole list of stuff that I just recommended. Now, one of the companies represented here that I think does have a significant investment characteristics, the characteristics of a true investment and not solely a speculation is Altius Minerals. Um, Investment and speculative characteristics, unlike you know 99.99% of all natural resources stocks, you know even the producers that produce cash flow, you're always betting on the commodity price, aren't you? If you're wrong about the commodity price and it goes in the wrong direction, they can be underwater really quick and be losing money. So Altius Minerals is two businesses, isn't it? Um, it's a royalty acquisition and investment business. That's sort of the investment side. We'll talk about that one first. Then there's the speculative upside represented by the mineral exploration prospect generation. It's a prospect generator um, and royalty creation business. And they operate mostly in eastern Canada, and they've also uh, recently, in the past two years, started operating in Chile. Um, and it's a wonderful business. This is truly, truly a wonderful business. I would... I would say um, we have a bank right out the door here, and that's, you know, licensed to print money. But uh, it's, it's the, easily the best business in this building, including this building. Um, <laughs> Boise's Bay Royalty. This is one of the original underpinnings of Altius. They own uh, one-tenth of a 3% um, royalty on the Boise's Bay Nickel Mine, which, if you listen to Robert Friedland on, on Monday... Um, or, I'm sorry, on Tuesday. He talked about that. <clears throat> what day is today? Wednesday. <laughs> Whatever day Robert Friedland talked, he talked about Boise's Bay. Um, so they paid a little less than $14 million for it in 2003. Um, they made some conservative assumptions about the price of nickel back then. And, you know, uh, today the price of nickel is quite a bit higher. 
They've made well over 25 million in revenue off of this thing, so it's paid for itself twice over, just about. Um, the mine life uh, has, you know, quite a while to run here, a um, couple of decades here, and they have a royalty that covers not just this mine that, that's in Boise's Bay, but all future expansion and development at no extra cost. So if the mine owner says, well, you know, we're going to spend $2 billion, we're going to expand Boise's Bay, and it's going to be a little bigger, or we're going to completely develop a whole new area, um, Altius Minerals spends zero and gets uh, its share of, of the revenue from that new mine or expanded mine. And what's really neat about this, and this is where the, the underpinning, the investment characteristic underpinning of Altius begins, that $3 million a year covers basically their operating expense, their G&A expense. And in fact, in the first five years, um, when Altius started up, they did have to, you know, they were a prospect generator, right? They, they found prospects, they sold them, maybe they had to go back into the market, print a few more shares, come back, do it again. And I was talking with Chad Wells, or actually Chad Wells said in his presentation, as well as in our conversation, this drove CEO Brian Dalton of Altius nuts. He hated it. He wanted to maintain integrity in the capital structure. Now, those words probably half put you to sleep, but I promise you there are companies in the natural resources industry that are not in the share printing business they're not your typical, this is not your typical geologist paycheck scheme, okay? It's a real business with cash flow that covers its expenses, and as we'll see, you know, and then some, 10 times over. This is just the beginning. What they just did recently was bought a bunch of coal and potash royalties, um, which will basically ramp up their royalty income about 10 times. It'll add about another $27 million a year to it. And here's some of the details. I mean, if you get really interested in the details of this transaction, you can actually look them up on altiusminerals.com. But the point is, um, at, at a wonderful moment, um, a company called Sharon International, and here, here's a little bit about the price they paid, but uh, the company who owned the royalty, Sharon International, Altius knew they wanted to buy these things five years ago. And so Chad Wells called them up every year and said, are they for sale yet? Are they for sale yet? Are they for sale yet? And the answer was always no. And then within the past year, the answer changed to yes, because Sherritt is a mining company. It's got lots of debt. Uh, it's having the same trouble everybody else is, right? It's been a three-year bear market. And, you know, here's Altheus flush with cash, got its eye on this asset, and, you know, it, it happened. They said yes. So Altius didn't have the money to do it, so they got a partner, Liberty Metals and Mining. Um, and there's also another uh, little, little piece owned by a private investor in that and did the deal. So now they own the majority stake in 11 coal and potash royalties in um, Alberta, uh, Canada, <clears throat> and also Saskatchewan. Uh, and these, the, the coal royalties, that scares a lot of people, and I think that's one of the reasons why they got a decent price, not a dirt cheap price, but a decent price on a great asset, because people say, well, coal, everybody hates coal, right? True, everybody does hate it, um, but these coal royalties are, the, the coal price here is a little different, okay? Actually, let me find this. Let's get, yeah, so 
the coal is not exposed to the commodity price, and it's not exposed to inflation. So the reasons for hating it as an investor and hating it as a commodity aren't present here. In fact, they're not really coal royalties. They're electricity royalties. And, you know, we've heard Rick tell us two mornings in a row, you know, they're not going to turn the lights out, right? Uh, more than half of Alberta's power is, is coal power. And these are mine mouth coal mines, or mine mouth power plants, right? It's, it's power plants situated at the mine mouth. Um, and then there are also potash royalties associated with it. And the potash royalties are some of the biggest and best potash mines in the world. The mine lives are, are just decades and decades into the future. And it's really neat what Altius did. They bought that Voises Bay mine. It paid their bills. It set them up for 10 years of generating lots of value. Now they've done the same thing 10 times. They've set themselves up for decades and decades, and the cash flow is now going to be so much that they literally will not know what to do with the money in a couple of years, and they do plan to start paying a dividend. So that's the, that's the investment underpinning. $30 million a year of cash flow with $3 million of operating expenses. Uh, and what they'll do is they'll, they took on some debt to do the transaction. They'll pay that down, and within a year or two... Um, start paying out a really good dividend. And, you know, if you just say, well, 30 million a year and maybe 32 million shares, and then they've got another royalty, which uh, I think will begin paying soon, you know, the, the dividend could be, should be well over a dollar a share pretty soon. This stock's around 14 bucks. Pretty nice yield. So it's a CapEx light business. This is, the, this is where we get the speculative upside. This is the prospect generation business. This is the other half of Altius, right? So you buy it as an investment. You've got a nice underpinning. It's not going to get absolutely murdered um, the way, you know, some, some of these exploration companies, they'll go to zero. There's no going to zero here, in my opinion. Um, those royalties will not go to zero. They'll just keep paying. So the other side of the business, that's where the speculative upside, and uh, that's a capex light business, Right? The prospect generation business, you know, you put in a dollar and you find somebody to put in $10 to do all the drilling and prove up the hole that you, you know, in, in the deposit you found. Um, and hopefully then they, you're right and you sell it for, for tons of money. Um, so for every, for every dollar Altius has put in, somebody else has put in 10 And they've turned their $15 million investment into you know, almost $500 million, in my opinion, of uh, current net asset value. And I included this quote from Brian Dalton, co-founder and CEO, to highlight the nature of Altius overall and of the prospect generation business in particular. It irks me a little bit. Whenever I hear a prospect generator say, man, we got a great deposit, we got something really special here, um, the market's a little crappy, we're not sure we can sell it, Maybe we'll put it into production. Ugh. Well, I heard Brian tell me, and then he said in front of a crowd of people, I never want to be in the mining business. And that was music to my ears, because he's a very honest man, and when he says, I never want to be in the mining business, you can take it to the bank. Uh, And I, I expect them never to be in the mining business, which is a wonderful thing, because the mining business sucks. When it works, this model, 
you know, these aren't just home runs. They're just, you know, they don't hit it out of the park, as Doug Casey might say. They hit it to the moon. Um, and, of course, the big story with Altius was investing less than $700,000 into a uranium deposit, which they subsequently sold for $210 million, and still maintained a royalty on it, which, uh, when, when, you know, if this thing produces one day, they'll, they'll have a big uh, income from that, too. Excuse me. <coughs> And they've had similar results with other investments. You invest a little bit, when it goes right, you make a hell of a lot. And that $31 million, that's just the, at the bottom there on the iron ore investment. That's just the current market value, which fluctuates, of course, um, of their stake in the company they spun off to own the iron ore deposit in Western Labrador. Uh, that, I think, is a really depressed valuation. Iron ore market is about, you know, is as loved as any other natural resource market right now, I think you could easily add a digit to that eventually. And, of course, they'll maintain a, a royalty on that. And we'll talk about the, what that royalty looks like in a little bit. Um, so, there's more opportunity. There was, a, there was another thing Altius bought when they bought all those royalties. Well, that was the investment side. There was also a nice, what I believe will provide nice speculative upside um, for Altius in the same transaction. And they bought, um, they bought basically lands the size of Puerto Rico in western Canada um, that contain about 7 billion tons of coal and, and more than a billion and a half tons of potash. And so they already have, at this point, they already have targets where they say, well... It looks like we can carve this out and sell it, and it looks like we can carve this out and sell it, and we can carve this out and sell it. And there are multiple opportunities. I mean, this is basically like a whole nother, nother is a word, a whole nother Altius minerals inside Altius. The potential here is enormous. So they, you know, they could wind up generating more royalties, generating lots of cash, paying down the debt from the transaction, um, that should be a wonderful thing. So let's, let's talk about one example of speculative upside that could really be interesting in the next couple of years here. So they discovered a billion tons of iron ore in Western Labrador Iron Ore District. Um, if, you've, uh, if you've flown up around there as I have, you know that um, you know, here's, here's Altius Discovery, and then here's a producing iron ore mine, and here's another producing iron ore mine, and here's another one. You know, great place to look for iron ore. Um, and iron ore is special. I like iron ore and coal better than things like gold and diamonds because iron ore can't just be found anywhere. You know, you need to find a whole hell of a lot of it. It needs to be near roads, railroads, deep seaport. You need electricity. You need lots of people nearby, lots of workers. Um, you know, it, it, you don't get that everywhere. And you do get it here in, in Western Labrador. And uh, this thing is, according to the CEO of um, Alderon Iron Ore, the company that, that Altia spun off to own the thing, uh, shovel-ready, fully permitted. Um, the, the debt financing might take a little longer to get than they thought. They, they made their own deadline. They said recently, maybe we won't hit it but it will happen. Uh, they've ordered equipment. There's a port development infrastructure project associated with it. 
uh, that's on time, on budget. They're, they're, they're building that. So, and the company that was created was Alderon Iron Ore ADV on Toronto. I haven't recommended Alderon Iron Ore in my newsletter because I have Altius. I don't, I don't need to speculate on Alderon because I already have Altius. And Altius owns about 25% of that, and, and, and Alderon owns about 75% of the partnership that owns the Cami mine, the, the, the iron ore discovery in western Labrador. And they've got to deal with a great, big, gigantic Chinese iron and steel group, uh, which also has ownership stakes in the mine and in Alderon, and has agreed to, um, to offtake you know, they've agreed to buy some of this iron ore. So they expect to begin production in about a year, which is mining industry talk for two years. And, um, you know, these net present values that they give you for what the thing might be worth, th- this is blue sky. I mean, I, 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 I throw it up here. This is what's reported in the feasibility. You know, maybe the thing's worth $2.5 billion. Altius owns 25% and 75% of that. So maybe there's another... 14 bucks a share in this for Altius uh, uh, before the royalty, before the value of the royalty. And I'm pretty sure if you tried to sell that royalty right now, uh, anybody in the industry would give you 100 million bucks for it. So that's big upside. Stock's around 14, it was around 14.50 or 60 last time I looked at it yesterday. And, uh, and maybe there's quite a bit more uh, upside just in that one. Project just in this one prospect generation project. So they get the royalty. Uh, oh, let's get to the royalty. The royalty is really interesting because when they ramp up production uh, at first, they expect to do 8 million tons within two years, right? Um, <laughs> and they expect that to generate maybe 27 million a year of royalty income. So, you know, there's 32 million shares out. I mean, that's almost a buck a share, right? It's close to it. And then they expect to ramp up from there to twice that much, 54 million. So they just bought 27 million of royalty income. They had three. Maybe there's another 50 in the next, just call it five years. You know, (laughs) that's mining for five years. Um, And you're talking about, you know, maybe 80 million pre-tax of of royalty income. This thing has a $400 million-ish market cap. Um, that's awesome. This, I call this Wayne Gretzky dividends because what did, Wayne Gretzky is the hockey player who is like the greatest hockey player ever, some people say. And uh, he says the secret is, he says, I don't go where the puck is on the ice. I go where it's going to be. Well, this is where the dividends are going to be. And people are just, I know people are starved for income because in our business we sell a lot of different newsletters, you know, a lot of different types of uh, investments are covered in them. And income, income, income is all we hear. Where can I get yield? Where can I get high yield? Income, anything, safe income. This is fantastic income. Of course, it doesn't actually exist right now. That's a little problem for a lot of people. But, you know, it's coming. <clears throat> the neat thing is that Cami has all this upside for, all, for Altius, which, you know, should really kick into gear here in the next couple of years. And that's one of about 20 of these things, um, you know, that, that all have royalties attached to them and all have 
you know, potential to turn a very small investment of sometimes, a hundred, you know, just a couple hundred thousand bucks into millions or even tens of millions. So here's my view of their net asset value. Now, when I value the thing they just bought at more than what they paid for, they paid nine times, and I say, what if it's worth 15 times? Here's my thinking. Everybody thinks a dollar worth of a gold royalty is worth more, for some stupid reason, than a dollar worth of a coal royalty that's inflation-adjusted, contractual price set, um, you know, mine mouth, electric utility, uh, coal royalty. For some reason, people think, you know, the, coal ro- the gold royalty is worth 20 times, 15 or 20 times royalties, and, and the coal royalty is only worth 9 or 10. I would contend that at some point, um, you know, the stupidity comes out of a situation and people say, oh, how about that? A dollar of royalty income, of really safe royalty income for 50, 60, maybe 80 years, some of these mines, you know, that's worth as much as any stinking gold royalty. Um, I love gold royalties. They don't stink. But, but you get the point, right? Why, why, why do we have this disconnect between the value of a dollar coming out of coal and the value of a dollar coming out of gold? doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So, and you know, you see Altius, they're not buying gold royalties. Uh, they're buying coal and potash royalties. Um, so I think the thing is really, I think it's worth what it's selling for now, really. But I think you can buy it up to about 14 bucks, just slightly below where it is now, with an expectation that there's really like 16 or so worth of real intrinsic value there. And that's before all this wonderful, lovely upside kicks in that I've described from the Kami Iron Ore project that is then multiplied by 20, potentially, from all the other projects. Okay, so another example of something that I think has characteristics of investment is natural resources, investment, and speculation is... Uh, Sprott Resource Corp, which I have about three minutes to do here, uh, four minutes according to this deal. Um, and again, same thing. Let's. Um, I want to skip through here, but I do want to tell you that uh, I recommended the stock once before. They started paying a dividend while the natural resources market was just tanking and tanking and tanking. They didn't have enough cash flow. In my opinion, you only pay a dividend out of excess cash flows. Only, ever, period, done. And they, were, they started paying out a dividend uh, without that underpinning of cash flow to back it up. And I stuck with them for a little while, and I stuck with them for a little while, and I said, I don't get this. I'm out. So we were up 50%. We sold the stock, or we recommended selling the stock in the newsletter. Now there's a change of management, and I believe these guys get it all day long. Uh, the, the old CFO, Steve Usby, became the new CEO, and then there's a the new CFO, Michael Starcynic. Um, haven't talked with Steve in a long time, talked with Michael a few times recently. Uh, very communicative, very open. You know, you can ask them anything. They'll give you an honest answer. That's neat. Um, you don't always get that from natural resources companies, I promise you. Um, and they're, they're great contrarians. They're putting money to work. They cut the dividend. They said, no, we're not paying a dividend. They cut it, and they're putting the money to work, which is what you should be doing right now, right? If you're a contrarian, the market's been crushed. Let's buy stuff. 
Um, and even, even through today, you know, the thing doubled since inception in 2007. And I don't think a lot of natural resource stocks, small cap, you know, few hundred million market cap stocks can say that today. And it is a discount to NAV. So they do three basic types of things. Um, they buy existing private and public companies. They form new companies. And they invest directly in commodities. This slide says they're great at all of those. You can read about it on the website. They made a lot of money with all those things. Um, there's a really neat thing happening, though. They monetized a piece of one of their investments, got about $68 million out of it, and kept uh, a bunch of it, which is the stock is, for, for, is worth around uh, $130 million. So, so Sprott's stake in long-run exploration, which is the company, is worth around $130 million, and it's paying them about eight hundred grand a month, which is really neat. That just about covers... Uh, their operating expense. And, and then they have another royalty investment between those two. They're covering their operating expense with cash flow. That's really cool. That reminds me of Altius in 2003 when they picked up the Voices Bay royalty. So that's why I say this thing has investment characteristics. Because if you've got cash flow that can cover your expenses, now we're talking about a business which is not what a lot of small resource stocks have. Um, and since I am rapidly running out of time here, you know, long-run exploration was a great play. They're getting a lot of uh, income out of it, and they're covering their expenses. Um, they just did a new... Their newest contrarian bet is a, a company called Corsa, which they're financing Corsa so that it can buy PBS Coles. PBS Coles made Sprott a lot of money uh, in 2008-2009 time frame. Or, I'm sorry, 2007-2008. Within 11 months, they had invested like $55 million and sold, the thing for like 200, sold their stake for like $240 million. Now they're back at it. And, and when they sold their stake for $240 million, the whole company went out for like almost $900 million. Now, Corsa is buying the whole company for $60 million. Good time to buy coal? Well, if you can't buy coal now, you can't buy it ever. So uh, this, this looks like a brilliant contrarian play to me. And there are other great investors included. Quintana is the biggest private uh, holder of coal reserves in the U.S. Lundin, we all know who they are, right? Bank Julius Baer is a Swiss investment bank. And they were all in the equity offering that Sprott Resource Corp. bought in Corsa. Just a brilliant play. I was really happy to hear about this and got a chance to talk with uh, the incoming CEO, of Corsa, and, and the folks at Sprott about it. Um, more near-term upside, as I have three seconds left on the clock here, uh, comes from a company called Independence Contract Drilling. I think this thing will go public within nine months. I'm just going to guess nine-ish, because they've filed the registration statement, and, uh, you know, it doesn't take years after that. It usually takes a matter of months. This is a company that um, it's a land driller in the oil and gas industry uh, down in Houston, and they, they're vertically integrated, so they build the rigs, and then they, they drill, too. It's currently carried on the books for $58 million. I mean, the market kind of likes oil and gas right now, um, a heck of a lot more than it did, you know, a year or so ago, so I think maybe that $58 million might turn into a lot more. And then here's my net asset value estimate. Um, 
I didn't reflect the most recent transaction with Corso in here um, because, you know, it's, it's very young. It's brand new, so it's, it's, I'm just saying it's worth what they spent on it. And I think you come out to about 380, and recently the stock's been about 312. Um, that's a small discount. It's an 18% discount to the net asset value. But I think there's a lot of things happening, especially that independence contract drilling IPO, that have a chance to really get a lot of people interested in the stock. I also think the underpinning here is loaded all the way down to new royalty investment. That's all pretty, very highly liquid, publicly traded securities and cash and stuff. Um, and that gives, that gives you a really solid underpinning of value that's easy to value and easy to see the value. And then the, the assets will become more liquid still when independence goes public. Um, so in summary, well, screw the summary. Um, look, <laughs> you get it, right? There's no such thing as value investing in natural resources. And if you want to do value investing in natural resources, I found two ways to do it. Um, but I want you to come to my workshop today in Waddington at 2.40 p.m. because I'm going to do something that I never, ever do, which is talk about stocks that I haven't recommended in my newsletter and, at least in one case, never will recommend because... I own shares in one of their competitors, and if you write about a stock, you've got to write about the competitors, so we can't write about stocks we, we buy in our business. Um, so I think it should be really interesting for anybody who has read Extreme Value, which is how many people? Hey, more than two. That's great. And, um, you know, I really enjoy being here. I thank Rick for the invitation, and um, I hope that you have fun trying to do value investing in natural resources from now on. Thank you very much.